You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. We're in the Battle Preach series, looking at stories from Hollywood that reveal biblical truths and point us to the greatest story ever told. When I was asked to preach in this series, I immediately felt in my spirit, I, I swear to you this is true, without even thinking about the plot, I knew I was supposed to preach from the Disney movie Tangled. And it's not because my daughter is a living, breathing Rapunzel. She has so much bright blonde hair, it is out of control. And it is also not because Rapunzel in Tangled is in quarantine, held captive from the kingdom of Corona. It's not because her captor, the evil Mother Gothel, has convinced her that if she goes anywhere, if she goes to Corona or even goes outside the isolated tower that she lives in, that she will face certain death. Mother Gothel, by the way, is a self-obsessed witch who is holding Rapunzel captive only to make her look better. So Gothel is an ancient Aramaic word that translates into the English almost directly as Gavin Newsom. It's so bizarre. <laughs> okay, okay, that, that, may, that may not be true. <laughs> that may not be true. <laughs> Gothel actually means, it's German, and it means foster mother. And just like governors, there are some very good foster mothers and there's some very abusive ones who are on a power trip and only in it for the money. Did I, did I just say this? Yeah. Ashley Robbins, did you do something to this microphone? Did you put a spirit of naughtiness on this microphone? Okay, so, but all, although those things are relevant, that is not why I chose to preach from this movie. So... Uh, I think there's an even bigger and more universal truth at play in the story. So Rapunzel is royalty, but she's been kidnapped and enslaved. Her true identity has been kept from her, and she's been taught to fear the kingdom that she was actually born to lead. Flynn Rider, who in this story has been labeled a thief, but is also a type of Jesus, breaks into Rapunzel's isolated world, shows her her kingdom and then ultimately sacrifices himself to destroy Mother Gothel and to set Rapunzel free. But then this magical power that's living inside Rapunzel resurrects Flynn from the dead, and then he brings her back to that kingdom, and they are married, and there is a feast that lasts for seven days. It's like crazy. The whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation has been sandwiched into the movie Tangled. So, but this movie holds some truths that I really believe, like the Bible, will untangle your freedom from the snares of the enemy and enable you to live free indeed. So this message is called Untangling Freedom. So in this first clip from Tangled, we see that uh, Rapunzel has been held in captivity, deceived since she was an infant, and there's, but there's part of her that is like this homing beacon for who the, the truth of who she is. And Mother Gospel, Gothel is an expert gaslighter, 
And she plays with uh, Rapunzel's emotions. She twists things around to make Rapunzel feel like she's at fault, that she's constantly taking the blame and having to apologize. And uh, Mother Gothel keeps her uh, kept in fear and isolation. Um, but let's watch what happens. searched and searched, but they could not find the princess. For deep within the forest, in a hidden tower, Gothel raised the child as her own. Gothel had found her new magic flower, but this time, she was determined to keep it hidden. Why can't I go outside? The outside world is a dangerous place filled with horrible, selfish people. You must stay here where you're safe. Do you understand, Flower? Yes, Mommy. But the walls of that tower could not hide everything. Each year on her birthday, the king and queen released thousands of lanterns into the sky in hope that one day their lost princess would return. every year on my birthday, Mother, only on my birthday. And I can't help but feel like they're, they're meant for me. I need to see them, Mother, and not just from my window, in person. I have to know what they are. You want to go outside? Uh, why, Rapunzel? But shh, trust me, pet. Mother knows best. Mother knows best. Listen to your mother. It's a scary world out there. Mother knows best. One way or another, something will go wrong. I swear. Ruffians, thugs, poison ivy, quicksand, cannibals and snakes. The plague. No. Yes. But... Also large bugs. Men with pointy teeth. And stop no more. You'll just upset me. Mother's right here. Mother will protect you. Darling, here's what I suggest. Skip the drama. Stay with Mama. Mother knows best. <laughs> but if you just... Rapunzel, we're done talking about this. Trust me. Rapunzel. I know what Rapunzel. I'm... Rapunzel. Oh, come on. Enough of the lights, Rapunzel. You are not leaving this tower. Creepy, right? <laughs> I just watched Tangle, Tangled for the first time in a long time while preparing for this message. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. We lived, we've been living through this. <laughs> and it's been traumatizing. <laughs> but you know, those, those lights that the king and queen released, just like they released lights on her birthday, uh, Jesus releases us out into the world as his lights. Yeah. And we're meant to let our light show, so shine that people can find yeah. their identity and be drawn back home. Yeah. 
So for the past 16 months, it's been pretty traumatic. Everybody agree with that? For pretty much everybody in the world. And fear and anxiety are at an all-time high. I heard recently a statistic that normally like 10 or 12% of the world experiences some level of anxiety. But over the past 16 months, that 10 or 12% has jumped to over 90%. Like everybody has been traumatized by this world. And like Mother Gothel, the enemy uses fear to keep us in bondage, to control our lives. And when he can control our lives through fear, he can prevent us from ever fulfilling God's plan for our lives. So ever since Eden, Satan's primary weapon against God's children has been the spirit of fear. And the spirit of fear is primarily focused on getting you to believe that either God's not there or that God's not good. The enemy frequently comes in, though, disguised with the voice of a helper. That his plans, his schemes are never actually helpful. Jesus said in John 10.10 that thief does not come in except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. There's no like, oh, and to help. (laughs) But Jesus says, I have come so that they would have life and that they would have it more abundantly. So 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Others translate the Greek word sound mind uh, as sophronimos as self-control. Others translate it as sobriety. And it's really all of the above. When we are of sound mind, we naturally practice self-control. We are sober-minded and we can act out our full capacity in a sane way. When a spirit of fear is operating in a person, it steals our power and prevents us from giving or even receiving love. And it hijacks our ability to think clearly, practice discernment, and also have self-control. Fear promises the exact opposite of what it delivers. It says, believe me and I'll help you, but it actually steals the very things that it promises. And without power, love, and self-control, you are like the walking dead. Fear has killed your ability to truly live and destroys your God-given potential. So since fear entered man in Eden, humankind has been broken from the trauma of sin, sickness, death, chaos, and hatred. It only makes sense that the primary mission of Jesus in this world was to declare the good news to the afflicted, the good news that he is here to heal broken hearts. He is here to declare the freedom to those who have been kidnapped by evil, to set them free and break chains. He is here to declare to those guilty. He is even declaring to those guilty of horrific things that if you have the heart to repent, he will open the prison door and even set you free. That the power of Jesus will not only set the captives free, but it will also set the guilty free. And he is willing, he desires to set the guilty free, not because he has to, but because he loves you. And I just really want you to hear that no matter what you've done, God loves you. There are some people that that pick up a whip and just are constantly whipping themselves out of the guilt of what they've done. And I want to tell you, God wants to tell you that you can put the whip down, that the whipping that he received at the whipping post was enough. He doesn't need your whipping on top of his whipping. It's finished. 
So fear can get into a person, can enter a person through trauma, and fear is also a big gateway for trauma, controlling our minds to make decisions that result in tra traumatic circumstances, which then invite more fear. It's a vicious cycle. Some traumas are noticeable because they are major car accidents, deaths, overdoses, things like that. But some of the seemingly smaller traumas, little whispers, little missteps, little regrets, they can be more damaging because they tend to be excused or not noticed. And especially if you've experienced repeated trauma over a long period of time that's been minor, you can excuse it away saying, oh, well, I never experienced that. So I'm not actually qualified. I'm not, I, don't actually, uh, I don't actually deserve healing because my injury wasn't that bad. But those little traumas can erode the structure of our faith, our relationships, and ultimately our lives. So some t symptoms of unhealed trauma, and you can take your temperature, I had to take my temperature with this, uh, are nightmares, emotional numbness, depression, anxiety and irritability, flashbacks, chronic nerve pain, insomnia, inability to focus, addictions, overmedication, suicidal ideations, hypervigilance, which is like coming into a room and immediately being suspicious of the people and the circumstances. I can't, I can't, I, 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 I have to sit facing against the wall and look out because there might be somebody that's dangerous that comes into this place. That type of hypervigilance also can result in like hyperspirituality where everything is demonic. And let me tell you, there are some things that are demonic and the demonic can get in there and animate a lot of things in this world. But there are things that we're meant to be over, not under. And God gives us the power to trample on those things. We don't have to constantly just be <gasps> waiting. And even people that are super into end times, uh, end times preaching, it's like, absolutely, be watchful. But you got to know that all prophecy is meant to edify. So instead of just being, oh, I'm just waiting for him to come back, I'm watching, look at all these things out there. God wants you to do something. We're actually called to be lights in the world and to call the kingdom of heaven down to earth. And you can be so traumatized by things that have happened that you've actually lost your ability. The enemy has stolen your ability to properly minister to a lost and hurting world. And instead of being engaged in the world, not of the world, but engaged in the world, trauma can get us isolated. And that isolation, it is not good for man to be alone in Eden. God said before he even brought the woman into the world, before sin even entered the world, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. And so if you're alone or you're watching this at home and you feel isolated or you're here and even surrounded by a group of people, I've felt this in my life, you feel utterly alone, it's not good. And there's healing for you. God has more, okay? So I had a lot of trauma. My mom kidnapped me when I was just shy of three years old from France where I was born to Canada where she was from so she could get divorced from my alcoholic abusive father in Canada where she had a lot better chance of getting custody of me. And my dad who was a famous French chef and very loud came to Canada, followed us there, would show up at the house. She had a restraining order. He'd be pulled off across the the lawn, screaming at her, screaming obscenities, threatening to kill her. And then he'd call 
and he'd drunk dial frequently at night, calling my mom. And if he was on especially uh, self-pitying trip, he would threaten to kill himself because he wasn't able to see me. Other nights, he'd be very angry, and he'd threaten to kill my mom and kill her entire family and kidnap me and take me back to France. And my mom recorded these conversations because she was going through a divorce, and she wanted to show the prosecution that there was, like, some serious problems that I was actually in physical danger. So I couldn't even see him without a court-appointed supervisor. But she would record these conversations right on the other side of the wall from my bed. And I'd hear them at night. And the, that trauma, that terror would enter into my dreams and I'd have nightmares. I had night terrors starting at like three years old where I felt held down physically. I didn't even know what that was. I just thought it was like, oh, I'm just having a bad nightmare. That is not normal. If you're experiencing that as demonic and it can be broken off of your life, you don't have to and you're not supposed to live under that kind of oppression. And I was three, and this lasted for a while. And strangely, right around that same time, I was molested by kids at my daycare center and, uh, and then also by my mom's boyfriend when I was five. And I'll tell you that the shame that came along with that, that I didn't think that I did enough to try to stop the things that happened to me from happening, so I blamed myself. And there's something that is just so awful when you carry that weight of shame and of guilt on your shoulders. I want to tell you that guilt is actually a natural response, that when you are guilty, you are convicted. The word means the same thing, and we talk about conviction as Christians, but we don't always talk about guilt. And I want to tell you that guilt is natural and healthy to be able to stand up and show up and say, I'm guilty at the foot of the cross means that God has the ability to redeem that guilt and set us free. But do you know what the word redeem means? Like if I have a coupon or I have a Starbucks gift card, I actually have to take that card into the store. I have to take the coupon into the store. Otherwise, it'll sit in my pocket and it will not be redeemed. The same thing is true with my life, that I need to bring my guilt to the foot of the cross so God can redeem it and set me free. I didn't know any of that because I didn't grow up in church. And I didn't grow up around a godly community. And the pain of all of that, when I was 12 years old, I started to get into drug addiction and alcoholism. And that just set fire to already a healthy burning uh, fire in my life. It just animated all the more this feeling of shame and guilt for the things that I was doing to myself and the things that I allowed others to do to me. You know, experiencing abuse from friends, being I promised that I could spend the night at somebody's house and then having to sleep on the beach because I had nowhere to go. To experience those things as a young person was a lot, but it was the only thing that I had experienced, so it was all that I knew. I thought it was normal. And when I got into recovery, when I got sober for good at the age of 19, I thought because I was young that I had been relatively unscathed by the experience. And I thought, you know... The depression that plagued me, the suicidal ideations, the nightmares, the anxiety, the inability to focus, the compulsive habits and emotional numbness, I thought those were all normal and they were things that I would just have to deal with. And there's a lot of people in the church that think they need to deal with their stuff. And I'll tell you, I got sober in a recovery group 
that was wonderful, as wonderful as it could be, but it paid lip service to spirituality and put a strong emphasis on confessing and taking responsibility for my mistakes. And absolutely, if I am saved, set free, that I know as God is with me, that he is for me, and if he is for me, that no man and no thing, no weapon formed against me will prosper, that nothing can be against me, that he is leading this process where he is revealing things to me and allowing me to bring those things to him. That process is very, very healthy to be able to own my own mistakes and to be able to bring them to the cross. But when I am just confessing those things to somebody else, the best that I can experience out of that, and I experienced this, was when the person didn't run screaming for the hills, I felt relief. But that relief didn't lead to permanent healing. Because no man has the power to heal me in the way that God does. If God's not at the center of my healing, I'm not going to get healed. And there are things that can happen here at the altar. I have been set free. I had a medical miracle happened like right about here. Pastor John prayed for me. I was experiencing sciatic nerve pain. I'd had it for 18 months. I'd spent almost $100,000 of my own money going to therapies that the insurance company wouldn't pay for. I'd practically bankrupted myself to get freedom from that. And in a moment, in a prayer, I got radically set free and healed from that pain. God can 100% work in a moment. I am a living witness of the power of God to heal people in a moment. But what I've seen, and a lot of the healing that I've experienced in my life, had a moment of encounter with God, but then had a process of an encounter with God through people who are the hands and feet of Jesus on this planet. And if you've become addicted to coming forward to the altar just so you can get a touch of power, but you're unwilling to get that process and go through that process, you're probably not going to get the freedom that is there for you. And I got sober in this group. And because I'd confessed my sins and committed to change, I hadn't been able to heal. I kept going back to my sinful behavior, like a dog returning to its vomit. I wanted to be free of these behaviors, but there was this pull beyond my human control, and I cursed myself for being weak and not being able to do it on my my own. And that is the definition of true demoralization. To be at this point where you have done absolutely everything you can on your own power, discovering that your best is still not enough to actually set you free. And it is the lowest, I believe, that any human being can feel. And I think sometimes that people feel so low in that and they believe all of the whispers of the enemy that they'll just check out rather than actually having an encounter. Because as low as that moment is, it's also the gospel. It's not until you've lost all hope in yourself that you can actually begin to genuinely hope in Jesus. If you're nine toes in and one toe out, it's tough. And sometimes just bringing, if if nine toes in is the best that I can do, if I can honestly come to the cross and say, God, I don't know how to give you any more. I feel like there's part of me that's locked up in a tower and I can't even access it. I don't know how to feel it. I don't know how to go there. God, I don't know what to do with this, but I'm bringing you all I have. 
That's enough. That's enough. But if you know that there's part of you locked up in that tower and you're saying, God, I'm not going to come to you until I deal with this part myself, that I need to figure it out. Thank you. I know that you did a lot on the cross, but there's a little bit more that I have to do here. You're going to be in a, you're going to be in a difficult difficult spot. So David was one of the most traumatized people in the Bible. He was born out of an adulterous relationship. He was the shame of his household. He was rejected by his mother and father, looked down on by his brothers. He was relationally dysfunctional. He was sentenced to death by the king, guilty of adultery, betrayal, and murder. David knew trauma. David had experienced a lot of trauma, but David also knew God. And in Psalm 34, 18, David writes, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. When someone experiences trauma, they can feel crushed. Another word for crushed is disintegrated or disintegrated. This means for them, it feels like pieces of their mind and heart will never come together again. There is this piece over here and this piece over there, and the pieces never seem to connect. This is disintegration. The only way for reintegration to happen is when Jesus Christ becomes the center of your life. There is a hope and a promise that no matter how shattered you are, how much trauma you have been through, that God is the God who heals the brokenhearted. He not only heals us, he binds up their hearts. He brings the shattered pieces of our broken heart together so we can be whole again. It says in Colossians 1 that the entire universe is held together through the power of Jesus. And I didn't even know this. Not only did God create the entire universe, he literally sustains the entire universe. It is held together in Christ. I love science. And I looked this up this week. I'm like, well, doesn't gravity hold everything together? scientists cannot explain gravity. There are some believe that there's these invisible little molecules called gravitrons that somehow enable gravity, but it is not a proven theory. It's far from it, and there's a lot of discrepancy in the scientific community because they cannot figure out what creates gravity. And as Christians, we have an answer that the planets are held in orbit not by gravity, but by the power of Jesus holding things in place, then only, if that's true, then only by his power can we see a reintegration in our lives, no matter how broken and chaotic they might have become. And I got to tell you that in order for me to step into relationship with God, I had to let go of old relationships. And some of these were really hard because some of these people loved me the best way they could. I had to step away from friendships. I had to step away from romantic relationships. I had to step away from mentors that meant the best and gave me the best of what they had to offer. I had to step away from mindsets that were held in those relationships. And when I came to Christ, I even had to step away from the recovery community that I had been in because there was something that God was doing in me that couldn't be done there and couldn't be done around those people. And man, it was so hard because I felt like I was betraying them. I knew that they meant well, but I also knew that God was doing a new thing. And Rapunzel actually experiences this when she finally gets out of 
her tower. And so let's watch this clip really quick. I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I did this. <laughs> Mother would be so furious. But that's okay. I mean, what she doesn't know won't kill her, right? Oh my gosh. This would kill her. Horrible daughter. I'm going back. I am never going back. I am a despicable human being. I can't help but notice you seem a little at war with yourself here. What? Now, I'm only picking up bits and pieces, of course. Overprotective mother, forbidden road trip. I mean, this is serious stuff. But let me ease your conscience. This is part of growing up. You think? I know. <laughs> so we have our Jesus character coming in there and saying that this is actually a part of growing up. You know, and sometimes we need to let things behind, and it can seem like we're abandoning the people that have been in our lives sometimes for a long time. But let me tell you that God makes a way sometimes where there seems like there is no way. And God is the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the creator of the universe. He can work all things out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And God is constantly working, not just in our lives, but also in the lives of others. And sometimes it's healthier, you know, like Pastor Jurgen talks about it a lot, that when you go onto an airplane and you're just about to take off, the, pa the captain will come on and tell you that in, in the case of a sudden loss of cabin pressure, that there are oxygen masks that are gonna drop from the ceiling. But it's important when those masks drop to put yours on first so you can help the people that are around you. And if you don't ever get right, if you don't ever get set free, if you don't ever get healed, you will never be able to put on life-giving salvation, and you won't be able to lead anybody if you're not being letting yourself be led by God in a healthy community first. So anyway, in 3 John 2, John writes to his spiritual children, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be as in health just as your soul prospers. And... Um, you know, I, I, I got to tell you that in, in my own story that I had, um, I had a real fear of actually being fully healthy and fully set free. And I didn't even know it. Like years of walking with God, years of being healed from all of these things. But I had a secret fear that if everything was healed, then I'd be left with myself and that myself wasn't going to be good enough. And it's a really, I mean, it's, it's something that I think keeps a lot of people in bondage. But I, I believed if there was still some area of dysfunction that I could hide behind the dysfunction with the excuse of when this problem goes away, when this thing is cleared up, when this wound is healed, then I'll be able to walk into the fullness of the life that God intended me to lead. There was something that was inside of me that believed was so much greater than the under experience that I was having in life, but I was so afraid to go there because what if God wasn't there? God, if, what if God didn't have me? What if he only brought me this far to set me free so that others would mock me for being not enough? 
And it doesn't make any sense when I talk about it, but these aren't the kind of conversations that you have in public. They're in here where the enemy, when you're agreeing with lies that are not godly, the enemy can come in and animate those things and say, you'll never be enough. You're never gonna be, when people find out that you're not enough, you're gonna be rejected, then you're gonna be abandoned, you're gonna be alone, it's gonna be painful, and you won't be able to handle it, and you'll go back to your self-destructive behavior because you've never actually gotten free from any of this stuff. You're under, you're not over. You're the tail, not the head. You're, you know, and there's a, and I had to, I had to start to trust, and that process didn't happen overnight. One of the last areas to go was my finances, and I hid behind this thing that I worked primarily freelance, and I made a lot of money so I could buy things with cash, but I had crazy bad credit. I had like a 440 credit score. And it wasn't because I had like bad credit. I mean, I had a couple of unpaid parking tickets that I would just take care of every time the DMV told me that I couldn't renew my registration on my car. <laughs> but all of this stuff was going on in, in my finances. And I just said, I pay cash for everything. I pay cash for everything because I can pay cash for everything. But the truth was I was deeply ashamed of not having good credit. And I came into this house and I learned about tithing, and I learned about giving above my tithe, and I started to get healthy in the area of my finances. I started to not just look to one mentor, but look to mentors that were healthy in every area of life so they could speak life into me. And I wasn't just like one-stop shopping. It's like, okay, you're an awesome husband and father. I'm gonna talk to you about being a husband and father. Man, you're killing it with your finances. I'm gonna talk to you about finances. Man, oh my gosh, you are killing it as an entrepreneur. I'm gonna talk to you about how to build my business. And that's the beautiful thing about being in community with godly people that are practicing godly principles that I started to actually have this life that expanded where I don't have major areas of dysfunction anymore. And it's amazing. I checked my credit the other day and it was 858. And I'm not telling you because I think a good credit score is going to get you into heaven, but I'll tell you that this was an area of so much shame and dysfunction in my life that I was afraid to ever actually open up that area of my life to let God into it. And man, since I have trusted him with my finances, he has made such massive changes. So I know that there are some of you that are in here that need healing that you need the great physician to come into your life. And there's probably some of you that have been in church for a long time, but over the past 16 months or maybe even longer, there's been part of your life that's been held up in a tower. There's part of your heart that's being held up in a tower and you don't even know how to access it. I want everybody in here to close their eyes and bow their heads. If you fall into either of those two categories, if there's something in the message today that just tweaked you where you're like, I need to step into a greater degree of freedom than I've experienced, I, I want you to respond today. Because I gotta tell you that if you're not living in freedom, you're living in bondage. There is no neutral ground in there. It's freedom or bondage. And who the sun sets free is free indeed, is fully free. Jesus doesn't want you to have any area left where you are still bound. 
So on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. And if you want me to pray for you, raise your hand, the count of three, one, two, three. Hands going up all over the place. God bless you, 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 God bless you. I feel like there's more hands than not hands. So God bless you, 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 God bless you. Now I'd like I'm gonna do something a little unconventional and I want everybody in here to stand up, to bow your heads and to raise your hands in the air like you expect to receive today. And I'm gonna pray you through some healing and then we're going to get to salvation. But right now, by the power of Jesus, I welcome the Holy Spirit to come upon you as your comforter, as your helper, as your healer, as your deliverer. I declare the forgiveness of God in Jesus' name. No matter what you have done or what has been done to you, you are free and no longer defined by your history. You are now defined by who your God calls you to be, his beloved child. By the blood of Jesus, I break the power of shame you carry due to the trauma or traumas you've experienced. What was done to you or what you have experienced does not speak to who you are. You no longer carry shame because none of God's children have shame. I break the power of guilt that you carry for sin or things you did to cope with your pain. In the name of Jesus, there is no condemnation. The law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. By the power of the declaration of Isaiah 61, I declare the spirit of the Lord is here to bring good news to your broken heart. He is here to heal you and declare liberty and freedom. Right now, he is bringing comfort for mourning, joy for sorrow, a mantle of praise for the spirit of heaviness through divine exchange. I sever every single assignment of the evil one against you. In the name of Jesus, I command spirits of trauma, torment, and fear to leave now in the name of Jesus. I sever your assignment against these people by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Spirit of suicide, I break your power and I command you to stop speaking right now. I speak to murder and rage. I sever your assignment. In the name of Jesus, you no longer have a place in the life of these people. I sever right now the spirit of death. I say to you all under the sound of my voice that you carry the same spirit that raised Jesus' dead body from the grave. And I command the spirit of death to leave you now in Jesus' name. I cancel and break off depression, oppression, insanity, mental illness, the spirit of bipolar and multiple personality disorder in Jesus' name. I sever your assignment, everyone under the sound of my voice in Jesus' name. I invite you to put your hand on your head. Everybody in here, you can put your hand on your hand on your heart as I speak healing to your broken heart in Jesus' name. Let the power of the Holy Spirit come now to pick up pieces and put them back together so you can walk in the freedom of being God's child and in his grace to be everything you were created to be and do. I declare that as healing comes to your heart, the shalom peace, the shalom of God that brings wholeness and wellness will affect your mind, your will, your emotions, and also your body in the name of Jesus. And I invite you to put your hand on your head. In the name of Jesus, I I speak to every traumatic image and memory in the right lobe of your brain and command these images to dry up and die right now. I sever the neural pathway that leads to these traumatic images and memory. I sever your seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, and hearing from being triggered through these neural pathways. I sever every, every lie and stronghold connected with traumatic images and memories. I pray for fresh faith and the truth of God's word to replace those lies and images and memories. And I command the memory center to wake up, wake up, 
wake up. Let there be a free flow of memory from the memory center so that what is restored are good memories about your life, that your mind is no longer hijacked by traumatic images and memories. I speak healing to any concussions, traumatic brain injuries, or anything else that's caused your brain to not operate in the way that it was originally intended by God. I command rewiring of the brain and proper neuron function right now in the name of Jesus. Now, I want everyone to repeat after me. This is who my father says I am. I am a child of the king. I am co-heir with Jesus. All Jesus bought and paid for is my inheritance. I am loved. I am forgiven. I am cleansed by the blood. I am accepted in the beloved. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I have angels protecting me and assisting me in the ministry of Jesus Christ. I am united with Jesus. I have been crucified with Christ. I died with him. I was buried with him. I was raised with him. And I am now seated with him in all the heavenly places far above all rule, all power, all authority, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. Therefore, I carry the authority of Christ. I have authority over sickness. I have authority over sin. I have authority over demons and I have authority over the world. I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. All things work together for my good because I love God and I am called according to his purpose, which is for me to be conformed to the image and likeness of Christ. I can do all things through Christ because greater than is he that is in me than he that is in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.